You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to Making Waves, episode 17. And my name is Justin. And I'm along here with our host, Chatty Daddy. There you go, Chad. Hey, listen, I, uh, guys, tonight's a very special guest tonight. We have Dan from Atreyu. So, Dan, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, I made it. If you, there you go. Atreyu, you guys have a, a live stream coming up. Uh, actually, two dates. It's going to be the 24th and then December 4th for uh, Carry the Carry the Fire's name of the, uh, the live stream, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, a, a two-part thing we're doing. Um, one of them is going to be kind of like a greatest hits thing. We're just going to play like, you know, just a bunch of songs from over the years that are uh, kind of more popular as far as streaming goes or sales or things like that. We're going to kind of base it off that, as well as a couple new songs. Um, we were just going to play one new song, Save Us, but uh, we actually have another new song called Underrated. That's uh, It's not a single or anything like that. It's not going to be pushed or done anything to radio. It's just a song that's going to be coming out at some point in time when we release more music, but uh, we figured we'd just play it once live on this live stream and get weird. And then um, the other one's going to be for our album, Lead Sales Paper Anchor, uh, which came out in 2007 and is our uh, top selling album to date. So we figured let's do that album. That'd be kind of fun. We've never done that before. And um, yeah, we're just going to get weird with it and uh, do a full kind of production thing and have some fun and be live or whatever, you know, uh, in front of people, well, not people, but uh a camera live okay so basically the you're gonna be doing greatest them are, hits. they're there though yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah some greatest hits then a couple of new tracks and then uh basically i guess your most significant selling album so that's uh that's gonna be really interesting was this something that you guys have been thinking about for a long time or just you just kind of were like hey we've got to get together and do this or what was the what was the what was the uh, the i guess the motivator for doing this live stream um, I mean, the motivation for uh, just live streaming in general is just, you know, the lack of getting to play live for so long, you know, it's, uh, you want to stay connected with your fans and, and, um, you know, if we can't physically do it in person, you know, we'll, we'll take the next best thing, which in this case is doing a, uh, a full production live stream. Um, I mean, the lead sales, you know, choosing that in particular, we've, it's something that's always been in the back of our heads of, as wanting to do, um, but we just never really had the opportunity it never really made sense before. But, um, you know, right now, especially with our, our current lineup and everything that we're doing, it's uh, it's the perfect time to uh, kind of step out into uh, the full album world and uh, and do lead sales. That's awesome. Are you in front, front to back? Uh, so like from the very first track to the very yeah. last track in its entirety. Wow, that's great. Yeah, How long exactly, has it been yeah. since you played some of those songs? Just be, well, you know. Some of them, honestly, we never have ever played them other than when we recorded them. That was like, that was, they got recorded. And then, you know, for us, that was our fourth full length album at that time, you know, so trying to 
you know, most of the time you're playing a set, it's either 30, 45 hour long, you know, maybe an hour and a half if you get like a real nice long one. So you can only fit so many songs in there. So a lot of these songs, by the time you get to that album, you just never even really get a chance to play them unless you want to kind of, you know, make it a special thing or something. But in most cases, like people would rather hear the more popular songs on the album, or whatever. So they just never saw the light of the day. So we're like, let's let's uh, let's knock the dust off these things and and try them out live, you know. And it's been really fun, you know. Even uh, I think in particular playing the song "Lead Sales Paper Anchor." It's like kind of a more slower acousticy song. And uh, for us, it was the first time we ever really dove into something. You know, we'd done slower stuff with the theft, but like that, it was kind of like a, a different world, almost country a little bit. And uh, it's super fun to play. We were like, we're just having a great time over here with it. That's great. And you're currently in your, uh, your, your, you said the recording or the rehearsal space, right? Uh, yeah. so you're coming live from the actual, like where the stank happens right now. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, exactly. This I can almost is, uh, smell it. Yeah. It, it, you know, don't, don't take too big of a breath. Uh, you'll uh, <laughs> put yourself out. Hey, hey, Dan, when you guys are doing the greatest hits for the live stream real quick, um, is that something that you guys kind of like reached out to your fans and say, hey, give us your give us your list, give us the set list you guys going to choose or just something you guys just took upon yourselves? Um, we took upon ourselves based off of just statistics on stuff that's, you know, out there. Like, for instance, you can go on you can go on Spotify or YouTube or, you know, um, Apple, things like that. And, mm-hmm. and, and you can look at different charts of and see statistically like what people are listening to and uh we kind of went off that i mean we also only have so much time these these live streams are kind of limited um so we're like okay like you know within these top you know 20 songs you know which Mm -hmm. ones do we want to pick from those and make sure we get a little something something from from uh, most of the records and um some of the new stuff as well and it's I mean, this point in our career, trying to cram everything in is, uh, it gets more and more difficult every album. It's almost like a, a case of money ball for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Analytically, what's the best set list here? So, yeah. Hey, um, want to ask you, uh, when you're obviously the first question you usually ask people is like, when you're growing up, what, what led you to playing guitar? Um, I mean, it was a combination of kind of two things really. I mean, one was just being inspired by green day. It was probably my first thing that I saw on TV. I've never seen the video for um, Basket Case on the okay. Dookie album. And just, just I mean, green's my favorite color and just everything about Billy Joe in particular. I mean, the whole band was awesome, but just like he had this cre- green guitar with stickers all over it and just um, his green eyes. And he was just this character, you know, that just uh, resonated with me and, uh, and the music resonated with me, especially mm-hmm. at the time being, I was 12 years old at the time. Um, so that partially that, you know, liking the idea of being somebody like that. And then a, uh, this kid named, uh, his name was Brian Kelly sat next to me in seventh grade, uh, in my history class when we had a teacher uh, named Mr. Drake, who looked like, uh, the scat man. And Mr. Uh, Drake throwing it back. He, you remember yeah, they got yeah. Brian Kelly. This is going to be great. I want to yeah. know more about the scat man. That's great. Yeah. So yeah, the <laughs> scat man, basically the scat man essentially was our teacher, but, um, uh, yeah, Brian Kelly um, randomly started playing drums, you know, not too long before I had met him in his class. Him and I were paired next to each other. And uh, he just kind of kept bringing up how much he loved playing the drums and like, you know, like kind of inspired me a little bit to be like, maybe I should pick up an instrument and I could play with him. So I was like, all right, like maybe I'll start playing guitar and be like Billy Joe, you know. So I, uh, yeah. I went out and uh, I rented a guitar initially because I didn't have money to buy one. Um, I was renting one for a little bit and started taking lessons and started jamming with him a little bit and that never really went anywhere, but it kind of stemmed from there. 
Where do you rent and a I, guitar at? I got to ask that. Like, I'm trying to think <laughs> right. about the, that period of time. Yeah. Like, where do you like show up with like five bucks and be like, can I get this for the day? So, in you know, this is back in the '90s, of course, and this is uh, I was taking lessons at this place called the Music Lab. It's still open, I want to say, here in uh, wow. Yorba Linda now. Cal- uh, yeah, not too far from where I'm working right now, but um, yeah, at the time, like I wanted to take lessons, but I was like, I don't have a guitar, but I want to take guitar lessons. They're like, oh well you can just rent this one until you buy one. And I was like, okay. So, uh, huh. you know, just rented this guitar and funny, it didn't even work. I had to like crack the back open and try to like dissect it day one and, you know, earn my keep you know, the, yeah. the old fashioned so like, way. Right, so like, right. This is what it's going to be like for the rest of your life now. Dan. Yeah. Here's You're renting a guitar, not a tech, you know? So Dan, Dan yeah, let me ask kid. you, I'm always curious with, I'm always curious now with veteran guitar players, when you first started taking lessons, was it very instinctual for you or did you struggle with it until you had to learn it? Or did it just kind of come naturally once you learned the bar chords and everything like that? Um, it was, I mean, it was instinctual in the sense that like, I've always been very just drawn to music and drawn to musical instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it started initially with like keyboards. The first instrument I ever had was like a keyboard. And, um, it was just, you know, I would go to like circuit city or, or Toys R Us or just anywhere. I just, if I saw a keyboard, I had to go touch it. And I just wanted to like figure out melodies and stuff. And I could just pick up melodies in my head and figure them out pretty easily. Um, nothing too complicated, but something where I was like, it was just something I I realized I naturally just had in me. Um, so, you know, going from there and picking up guitar, like, you know, it wasn't easy per se, you know, it definitely took me a second to pick it up, but, uh, it was something that I, I just really enjoyed doing. And I really wanted to, I just wanted to become a famous guitar player. Like I couldn't imagine doing anything else. So I was like, I have to figure this out. Sure. You know, it's funny that, that you brought up the green day, uh, reference when i i started playing guitar as my first like uh uh beacon to what i really wanted to do and it was nirvana for me but at the same time i was like i was finding about green day and i remember going into a record store my favorite green color is also green dan i don't know if you knew that or not but i remember going into that and i literally uh i think i was looking for a green jello record because i hung out with like this kid who had like an older brother who was like that shit's fucking lame dude you gotta listen to this and so i went in there to find a green jelly record and ended up getting a dookie and I spent the whole rest of my day like looking at all of the little uh, random shit that's going on inside of the, on the front of the uh, cover of yeah. the album. It's yeah. great. I love it. That's my yeah. one of today. My favorite album covers. It's such a cool album cover. It's that, that album cover is basically uh, what Sergeant Pepper was for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, all the really figures was. and everything. Yeah. Do you remember that music video? Uh, uh, not to steer this too much on, uh, into like the Green Day realm, but that Basket Case music video. Do you remember where you do? Do you remember the first time you saw it and where you were at? I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. Uh, I, I, the house that I just moved probably about a year and a half prior um, to uh, the city of Yorba Linda, which is um, um, you know once I got into this house and I remember I just remember sitting on the couch one day and like flicking through MTV and it was like right at this time where like I was getting into music, I'd always been into music and kind of digging through my parents' records and stuff. But it was right at the time where I never really paid attention to MTV before. And for whatever reason, I just felt the need to stop on that station. And that came on and I was just like sucked in immediately, just like pivoted my whole life after that. Wow. It worked. Yeah. That, that, that East, <laughs> yeah, that East Bay scene was deep. So yeah. yeah, they had some talent up there for sure. For sure. Where did, where um, did the eighties thing come from? I got to ask because I know yeah. I, I've been on tour with you. I know how you play. I know even the, the, 
the verbose version of Dan on stage is so 80s. And I, I know that you've mentioned it many times that you're into it. So I wonder where your segue from the 90s Green Day record and all the stuff that was happening in there to be like, you know what? Uh, Eddie Van Halen kind of fucks. I want to like I want to just rip some fucking solos. Was it chicks or what um, was it? A little bit of everything, to be honest. I yeah. mean, it, I mean, it started it was a combination of two things. I mean, the thing that made me want to play lead guitar was Van Halen. Um, I was taking a class at the music lab. They had this thing called rhythm and groove class. And it was basically like a band lesson where you could go and they'd have like a couple guitar players, a couple singers, a couple drummers, a couple keyboard players, a couple bass players. And you'd kind of just mix and match people and cover songs. And it just kind of taught you how to like play with a band. And uh, I'd never really, I'd, like I'd heard Van Halen songs and stuff, but I didn't really know who they were, knew much about it or anything. And um some one of the one of the guys in the class he was a little bit older he was probably like in his you know his 40s or something like that and he came in was just like man like i want to do i want to do this song called panama and i was like all right what is this panama song you know like it's kind of a weird name for a song panama you know and i'm like and the song comes on i'm just like what the fuck is this you know and like i got to the the riff and everything and it got to the guitar solo and i was like whoa because like i just i was at the time i was really into punk and stuff so like mm -hmm. a lot chords. of the stuff they were doing was like bluesy like this class was kind of like i was the youngest one in the class by far so like wow. everybody was doing like bluesy stuff and just kind of you know dad rocky stuff it was just like uh, like at the time it was it was okay but i wasn't familiar with any of it so anytime a song came up where it was like there's going to be just a distorted guitar in the song i was like oh it's me me i, I want to be on that song i'll, I'll be your guy so I had to, I had to learn this Panama song and, uh, I still to say, like, I fucking, I fucking jacked from the solo. I took one of the riffs from the solo and put it in our song, right side of the bed. And no one's ever what? fucking called me out. No one's ever <laughs> said anything or been like, yeah, that's I think you're in the clear right too. I don't think you're going to be able to go <laughs> you say, yeah, say a lot for that. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I freaking, I did it. Yeah, but, um, you fucking yeah. did do it. That's great. <laughs> So there's there's Van Halen, and then the other one was uh, was Def Leppard, um, a buddy of mine when I was about 15. You know, like I was, you know, for whatever reason, in the 90s, the 80s seemed so like far away. Like it seemed like it was so long ago at the time, um, for whatever reason. And uh, yeah, like I remember one of my buddies playing me Def Leppard's Hysteria, uh, pour some sugar on me, and I was like, what is this? Like it was like it was like the song made me laugh, but at the same time, I'm like I fucking love this song. Like this. Yeah. I've never heard a song recorded like that before. Like the, just the, the drums and the dudes, you know, Joe Elliott's voice, just everything about it was just like, what is this band? So I kind of dug into that more, which just led me down this whole path of just like being coming obsessed. And um, even before Green Day, honestly, for a split second there, I, was, I started listening to Warrant um, because uh, a kid Cherry came pie. over to my house and brought Warrant, Warrant Cherry Pie um, oh, yeah. cassette tape over. And, uh, you know, I, cause I didn't know any music. I wasn't like cool at the time. I didn't know anybody or anything. I was just listening to like the stuff from the fifties and the sixties. Cause that's what my parents had on tape. And I love that. But I'm like, that's probably not cool to my friends. I don't know what to listen to. So this, I was, I told them to bring stuff over and this kid brought over Warren's cherry pie. And for until I got into green day or anything like that, I was like obsessed with Warrant. Like I just could not stop listening to that fucking album. That's wow. all I cared about. That uh, yeah. riff is great. That riff is that riff crosses spectrums on how how cool that damn thing is. It's like it's like Wingers seventeen. It's it's undeniable. Yeah. Yeah, so, and what's yeah. interesting too, I did never really thought about this until right at this very moment. But the two eighties, well, even though that song came out in the nineties, but the two kind of eighties esque bands that really drew me in, the songs by them that drew me in, both had very similar style riffs and similar kind of grooves. They're almost kind of the, you know, Cherry Pie is the pour some sugar on me for Warren. 
Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whoa, you made a funny. Cole. You made a funny statement though, uh, <laughs> Dan, when you said that. Like when you heard uh, "Pour Some Sugar on Me," you're like, "What the hell is this?" Believe you me, Def Leppard fans were going, "What the hell is this?" So <laughs> it was such a a pivot for them. But let me ask you real quick: with you and Travis, when you guys do the dual guitar thing, were there were there other tandems that you guys were kind of like looking at and saying, "Hey, we we kind of want to bring that sound into what we're doing," whether it's Dave Murray and Adrian Smith or you know, Thin Lizzy or something like that. Was that ever on your mind or that's just, you know? Uh, a little bit. I mean, like harmonizing guitars, like once you start harmonizing, it's hard to stop, you know, because it just sounds so <laughs> right. good that you just want to harmonize yeah. everything. You're like, all right, all right we got to calm down here with the harmonies, you know, because we'll just go nuts. But um, right. I mean, I, I like, you know, kind of a Thin Lizzy approach, you know, I just mm -hmm. like the the melody that comes with it. You know, I mean, it's um, as much as I'm a fan of just kind of wanking away on a guitar, like I, at, at the root of it, I prefer a good solid melody and yeah. um, something that sings to you, you know, like that's, that's why some of my favorite guitar players, as much as being like, you know, somebody like Van Halen, like I really like a Brian May from Queen because his, his solos are so melodic and they're just as melodic and as catchy as the choruses mm -hmm. uh, as far as my opinions. So it's, um, I just love that. So, I mean, whenever writing harmonies and stuff, like I, I try to take even kind of a Queen approach a lot of times to try to put things together. Which would basically, yeah. Sorry, I was going to no, say, I was that, gonna say that, right? That I'm sorry. <laughs> that kind of leads <laughs> to your love of dogs. <laughs> yeah, it, it just leads to your uh, at least your your uh, how much you like Def Leppard because Def Leppard was always just seen as a more of a modern day Queen. Yeah, yeah. All the yeah. Uh, there's a uh, everything I like kind of all ties together and stuff. I mean, I like big epic sounding you know, arena songs, you know, with just huge melodies. And I think the 80s, to even tie off the whole 80s thing, is that everything was just over the top. It was just, everything was turned up to 11. And mm -hmm. I think I, that's why it was so stimulating. It was like, oh my gosh, the way they dress is just so ridiculous. The guitars were ridiculous. The, the, um, the musicianship is just ridiculous. The stage shows were ridiculous. The lifestyle was ridiculous. It yeah. was just didn't stop, you know? That's why, you know, when the 90s hit, it was like you, the only thing you could do from there was just the exact opposite, which was like right. nothing, like three chords, fucking stripped down, dirty looking dudes. Yeah. yeah. And just stand there like, what are you going to do about it? You know? Yeah. Don't that, put on a show. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do anything. <laughs> Tell me about that. There's got to be something in here. And I, I, I can't remember if we've had a conversation about this or not. But were you ever into like this, the Swedish stuff? You know, like, because we were talking about harmonizing guitars. And I, I just kind of, I'm thinking of like in flames and all that oh, yeah. stuff that kind of came from. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. In and, flames, soil work, arch enemy. Oof, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. We, yeah, we loved all that stuff. I mean, uh, myself and even, you know, even like if you listen to like our album Long Live, which is two albums ago, um, that album that there's a song on there called Start to Break that has got a super mm. Swedishy. It just sounds like an old In Flames kind of style, soil worky kind of riff. I mean, yeah. we just you know we've been jacking all those bands for years. We love that <laughs> stuff so much. It's like there's just so good and like you know again In Flames was one of the bands you know and it was a perfect example. Like I remember hearing um, their album uh, Colony. You know for the first time and just being like fuck man like this is uh, the way the guitar leads are so melodic and just sing to you i'm like man i've, I've never yeah, it was one of the first times i got to hear that kind of brian may is as far as I, I look at it kind of melodic thing but done in this like heavy metal way um yeah. which is is you know it, it made it so much more digestible uh for that type and style of music not to mention it kind of spoke to uh like the the 
person that you probably were at the time. Like it's one thing to toss it back to the uh, to the space that existed before you were even born, but here's somebody in the flesh that's sim. You know, for 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 all intents and purposes, your peer. You know, and yeah. they're doing it in such a new modern way. Yeah, I can yeah. I can see that happening. I mean, you guys. I mean, Dan, your guitar playing, your band, everything that Atreyu stands for, shaped a lot of a lot of bands that that still exist today in in major ways like uh in th- their sound their attitudes the, their fearlessness when they go on stage um when we did that tour when wilson did the tour with you guys in motionless and white i i was in awe every single night like not only was atreyu and is atreyu one of my favorite bands uh when i discovered the metalcore scene but i got to watch you know uh, the fans react the same way that I reacted when I heard the band at the first time every single night and watching you guys shape your sound over the course of what, seven records you said? Yeah, um, I think we're on number eight right now. We're, we're just recorded. So you, I think what, your first record was 2002 or three. Am I wrong? One, 2001 or t- 2002, 2002 it came out. It's so, so long ago. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking yeah. about 18 years yeah. of just crushing fucking riffs uh, um with that being said like you know not that i think atreyu is a bad name at all but what about retribution <laughs> what, what whatever whatever happened to that can you tell um, us why you're called atreyu and not retribution now <laughs> <laughs> well yeah so we started um originally um everything kind of rooted to back to alex uh and myself um in junior high uh i was in pe um with him we got put in the same class that's where i met him in eighth grade and uh you know a couple weeks in or something like that we were done with class at the end of the day and we all kind of stand around talking and uh, alex in particular is bringing up how he plays bass and he's all into punk and um wants to start a band he's looking for a guitar player and he's into stuff like rancid and green day and stuff like that i was like i like rancid and green day and i play guitar like oh maybe we should you know like i was like hey man like i play guitar you know i know every green day song you can think of i can play them all he's like oh really like we should jam you know so him and I started jamming and, you know, we kind of hit it off. And then from there, we kind of started uh, looking for a drummer and we tried a bunch of people out and they just, everybody kind of had all these big fancy kits and all this stuff, but nobody could really play very good. And then um, our friend, Ryan Saller, uh, who was friends with um, Alex, he's like, dude, I, I have a younger brother named Brandon that plays drums. He just started playing like about nine months ago. If you guys want to check him out, we're like, all right. So we went over to Brandon's apartment and uh, I, I don't know how he had his drum set up on the second floor of an apartment, like, but he did. And we went up there and jammed with him. And it was like, he had the crappiest set out of anybody would ever encounter. And everybody had these fancy sets and all these things. He had this old piece of shit used like three piece drum kit with like a, one broken cymbal. I mean, it was terrible, but he could fucking keep a beat. Like he, he was so tight in the pocket and it, it felt like we were a band for the first time. So uh, we we decided to become a band and we called our name uh, called ourselves Retribution, and uh, we did that for a few years. You know, from age like I think it was like about fourteen to seventeen um, till ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine. We were doing that, and we were at four piece by the time we stopped it. But um, we were if you listen to Retribution stuff, it was really heavy for being a punk band. You know, like it was really I, I listened to it like probably about a year or two ago. I put one of the tapes on. I was like, man, for being a punk band, like we were really heavy. So it kind of made sense. And when we started leaning in the direction of, you know, we started listening to hardcore music and stuff and getting into that world. And we're like, man, like our, our sound is already just naturally evolving. Like, why don't we just kind of start fresh? Let's ditch 
the name Atreyu, let's find a new name and kind of like start over again in, in the hardcore scene and see like where we go. And that's how we uh, went down that road. Wow. So that's, that's incredible for two, to me for two main reasons. One, are you saying that Brandon had an apartment of his own uh, back, <laughs> back, back then his parents were just like, you know, you're emancipated, bro. Get out of here or what? No. So he, he lived with his mom, his brother and his oh, sister. I got um, you. They all, they lived in a two bedroom apartment on the second floor in your Belinda, kind of down the street from where Alex lived. Um, yeah, we only practiced there once. Cause I don't even know how that's a thing. Like, I mean, full blown <laughs> drums, guitars, cranking. I mean, like we were doing nothing to like quiet this down. Like, I don't know why we weren't getting complaints. Like it was wild, but, um, it seems, <laughs> seems like you came in the door blaring a middle finger to all his family and left yeah. that door. It, it, was, that middle it, was, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was gnarly. Even, and it's funny. It was day one. It's like, Brandon had this, like these two, like Brandon, like <laughs> he had these two girls that like, were like you know the girls from the neighborhood or whatever that like thought that it was cool that we were in a band and it was like literally our first day we were just jamming for the first time we're like oh there's already girls hanging out like it's working yeah <laughs> I, I think the name changed too i mean it shows you that there is something when people what's in a name i said retribution just sounds like a metal band and they might be playing the yeah. billiards hall right atreyu though has a little bit of well dare i say magic to it because it's a little interesting and i think people are more curious when it comes to things like that yeah yeah, yeah and it's got like a uh, it's actually got a pretty powerful meaning to it that we didn't in, we didn't name our band this intentionally because of this, but uh, we kind of acquired this information um, not too long after naming our band that um, somebody brought this up to us like a fan was like oh I love the meaning behind your name and we're like oh what yeah what what is this meaning that we know about that we're just asking to see what you think it is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're like well you know in the movie Atreyu so if, if you know anything if, if you don't know anything about the movie The Neverending Story is where we got the, our, mm -hmm. our name Atreyu from and in The Neverending Story it's, it's based off this place called Fantasia where everybody's hopes and dreams and everything live and there's this thing called the nothing which is depicted as this big kind of thunderous cloud formation thing that's just basically destroying Fantasia which is destroying all the world's hopes and dreams and anything worth living for so the only person that can stop this from happening and that can stop the nothing and save the world from losing this is a trade. Uh, you just reminded me of that whole entire backstory of the of the movie, and now it is so much so much more epic than just yeah. like you know we were watching the movie, smoking some weed at, at my at our drummer's parents' house, our apartment, you know, and just came up with it. Yeah, I totally forgot about that uh, that segue there with the idea that that is the savior of the world. Yeah. It's incredible. That's a lot to shoulder to be the saviors of the world. That's a, yeah. that's a heavy burden, heavy crown. Yeah. We just came out swinging. We're like, let's do this. Let's just take the world on our shoulders. Why not? <laughs> we already so, flicked off Brandon's mom, so we might as well just yeah. get <laughs> Yeah, let's, let's just Great. keep the party going. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, do you have any great road, road stories you can share with us? Anything uh, either at the beginning, maybe the beginning of the career, and then if anything kind of like happened, kind of like, like you know, maybe 2018, 2019? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> man, there's been, yes. Yeah, How about your first time on the road? Like when yeah, you, when you was guys your finally first tour? packed into a van, what was it? What was the first like thing where you went, oh, my God, we're doing this? Um, well, I actually have a picture of that. It's on, on my Instagram or Facebook somewhere. I have a picture of us literally it's sitting in our van the first day getting ready to leave, uh, back in, this is in like 2000, maybe in late 2001, 2002, something like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, 
yeah, we, we started off in a van with no trailer. We shoved all of our gear, all of our merch, all of our belongings into the back of this 15 passenger van and, uh, just took out three of the seats and had six of us in there. It was our five band members and then Brandon's brother, Ryan. Um, and we drove to our first show in, um, Vancouver, Washington, which is basically just North of Portland, which was a 21 hour drive to play in front of like, you know, fucking 25 people. And then packed up all our shit and drove to Billings, Montana, which was 17 hours away to play in front of like 15 people. It was like, after a bit, you're like, God, this is kind of brutal. Like, what the fuck did we sign ourselves up here for? Like, what being a rock star is not what it's cracked out to be here. Like, what is all this shit, you know? It's all about the routing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is, it, it is very testing. I, I, I will say that. It is very, like, it took us, took us, I think, two about two years to get to a point where we like were able to just get into a bus and like, you know, that, the, I mean, we were dying. I mean, it was, it was like, we were getting so sick and just like, we were, we were touring so much and just, I mean, one of our, we did one tour in particular that was, I think we were gone from home for like three months straight, just nonstop. And it's just, it like, by the end of it, we we're like, fuck this. Like, well, do we still <laughs> want to do this? Like how do band, bands do this? But um, oh. we just kept going, you know, and luckily it worked out okay. But fuck, man. That, oh, so man. let me ask you then, in those early days when you're doing these long drives to play to a handful of people, what's the mental, what's the mindset to get you through that and go, you know, we're going to soldier on. This is going to work. We're just going to have to put the time in. This sucks. But everyone's done this. How, what's the mindset? Um, I mean, it's no, brutal. So. And you, you get, <laughs> I mean, Fear. partially, I mean, partially is one. It's like, I mean, I don't really have any other game plan. Like I just, I, this is all I know of. And mm. the only thing I want to do, like, we just got to keep going. I mean, there's been, there was plenty of times where we're like, do we want to just quit right now? Like we just want to just go home. Like this is, do we need to go play this show? Is it going to make a difference or not? Like, oh man, like some of them are just so brutal, you know, but like, what happens is that you start to see growth and then that's, mm -hmm. that's the fucking, the drug, you know, is you start to see it working. And when it starts to work, you're like, man, like, what if we just keep going? How much more is it going to work? Like how much further can we take this? You know? And uh, you know, for us, we've, we've done, you know, not the hugest band in the world, but we've done pretty decent for ourselves. And uh, it was enough to keep us going for, you know, over 21 years now. Yeah, wow. you know, the first time I ever saw you guys live was at Epicenter when you guys would play with Tool in Lincoln Park. And I was like, oh, well, yeah. I'm getting introduced to this band with 60,000 people. This is super cool and super intimidating. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that that was a really good introduction because you guys held your own. Because, like, you guys were still not, I was familiar with it, but I hadn't seen you live. And I thought, man, they're really, they really know how to work this crowd. This is great. Yeah. I have a question about a tour story for you, if you don't mind, sure. Dan. I don't know if you can share it, but I remember uh, on tour with you, you told um, about you told me about your first tour overseas and the uh, issue that you had. I don't remember exactly who it was with, but I think it had something to do with like uh, being broke and uh, trying to find food. Do you remember oh that gosh. at all? Yeah, on, on the bus? I, so we, yeah, yeah, we shared a bus with a uh, boy sets fire. And, um, yeah. I mean, it was our first time in Europe. We were, I mean, we were broke. We were just, you know, kids. I was 20 years old and, uh, we got over there and like, it was so fucking hot over there in the summer. It is just so hot and so humid. It, like, just like, you can't get away from it hot. And like, there's just no, like a lot of hotels don't have air conditionings for whatever psychopath reason. It's just, <laughs> they're just too old. I don't know what the fuck's going on. There's just, 
it's just brutal out there. And we're sharing this bus that also just didn't have very working at all air conditioning. So it's brutal middle of the summer. We're on this bus with like fucking, you know, you've got like 15 dudes on this bus, a bunch of grown men and a bunch of fucking, you know, 20 year old dudes just like sweating it out. And I basically kept running into scenarios where I'm like, fuck man, like I'm like dying of thirst and like, there's nothing to drink except for like somebody else's drink in the fridge. <laughs> so like I would go and I'd sit in front of the little mini refrigerator to keep myself cool. One, I just sit there with the fridge open, letting everybody else's drinks. I was such a shithead. Everybody else's shit's like getting warm while I'm getting my, my cool down. And every once in a while I might crack something open, just take a little sippy sip. You know, no one's going to miss just a little, no one's going to miss a little sippy sip, you know? They're not even going to know. They're not going to know. What is even better? You don't know. You know, you see the tree falls before you don't see it, you know? It's not a big deal, is it? Yeah. But um, they, so they, I mean, at one point I got set up and they, they you know, people knew that like, you know, they knew they were on to me. And uh, the tour manager, this dude, Trey, that was tour managing Boy Sets Fire in particular, just fucking hated me. He just I was the worst human ever. Everything I did just irritated him. And even if it wasn't me, he would just blame it on me anyways, kind of thing at that point. But um, yeah, he he had this coffee that um was his, that was blatantly his and was not offered up to anybody else that his bandmates came to me and they were like, dude, uh, Trey has this drink that he's just not going to drink. And he just says, if anybody wants it, you know, they can have it. Like, do you want it? I was like, yeah, I'll take it, you know? So I go in there and I fucking crack it open. And I'm like, do, 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 do. And as I'm drinking it, fucking Trey comes in. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, uh, they, you said, it, uh, oh, and he's like, what the fuck? And he just like starts going nuts on me. I, mean, I had to fucking run away from this dude. He was freaking out on me. Like he went upstairs and fucking grabbed all my clothes and like fucking threw my shit all over the place. Like lost his mind on me. Oops. Like he legit of the road. shit like out of the, of the bus. Right. Like he was uh, like, just like, just like took my bag and like just tossed it like into the bunk alley with also my clothes just exploded everywhere. Kind of thing. <laughs> Did you still have like a shit stain of his drink like wrapped around your your, your lips and all like Kool-Aid mustache? You're like, what? Bro? Uh, <laughs> it, it, pretty much. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, just <laughs> you who all over my face. <laughs> <laughs> you were telling me that story and I was like, oh, my God. I think we we're just talking about touring and being broken in, in England or, or Europe or something like that. And you're like, dude, shit sucks. Actually, this that- one time. Oh, I have a, this is kind of a, it's kind of a lengthy story, but it's a pretty fucking gnarly good story. It involves a a lot of stuff. Um, So it it started on, uh, we're on tour with Lamb of God, 18 Visions and Chimera. And we're getting ready to go into Canada for our first time. And so before going into Canada, um, we're on Lamb of God's bus and they're brought us up there because they're like, we have a fucking shitload of weed. And we've got to get rid of it all before we go to Canada. Do you want to help us smoke it? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I do. So I'm sitting up there. They're just rolling joints and we're smoking these joints and I'm getting fucking super ripped. And I decide like, man, I'm, I'm really, really hungry. And like my band's touring in a van at the time. We don't really have anything except for like, you know, if we're lucky fucking chips and salsa or something, you know? So um, I asked Randy, I was like, hey man, like I see you guys got like, you know, some loaf of bread over there and some cheese and stuff. Like, do you mind if I make myself a grilled cheese sandwich? He was like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So I was like, all right. So I get the butter out and I get the cheese and I make myself a sandwich and I put it the toaster and then I put it in the microwave. Like I got this thing fully dialed and I eat this thing. And I'm like, oh man, I didn't even really phase me. Like I need, I need more. And I'm like, you know what? He didn't care if I ate one. Like, what is he going to care if I have another one? But I ended up making myself like 10 sandwiches. I just kept going and I ate the whole fucking loaf. Just fucking felt myself. To, I filled myself to I was just going to explode. I felt so disgusting. So anyways, I, I finally I leave the bus. The next day, we get up and we go into Canada. 
and we like go to Burger King to like have breakfast and stuff. And um, we all decide like, you know, everyone's going to go back to sleep in the van and I'm going to drive to um, get us to the venue. So we get in the van and as soon as I get in, I'm like, you know, after all this Burger King and all these grilled cheese sandwiches I ate fucking the day before, my tummy's not feeling too good. You know, it's feeling a little bit rumbly and I'm like, Ooh, I feel good. But I'm like, you know, whatever, I'll just, I'll just hold it and I'll go to the bathroom when I get to the venue. So we start driving and this is in the days of MapQuest. So we don't have fucking GPS or anything. I'm just looking yeah. at pieces of paper and I coincidentally happen to pass by um, Chimera's bus. I'm like, perfect. I'll just follow them. They know where they're going. So I'm just following their bus and like, all this time, I have to go to the bathroom really, really bad. And it's just not going away. And it's just taking way too long to get to this venue. And I'm like, dude, what is going on? Like, when are we going to get there? So all of a sudden, it gets to the point where I'm like, I'm like I, I, I've been holding it for like an hour. I can't hold it anymore. I need to go to the bathroom. So as this is happening, I see there's a toilet um, off the side of the freeway at this like park in this like lake off the side of the freeway. It's like a, a, a public fucking restroom. So I, I try to go get off right there and I miss the exit. Now my mind is already kind of like, oh damn, like the bathroom's there. Like you were close and then you miss the exit. Like it's already go time. So I get to the next exit, which is still to the same park and not too far down. As soon as I get out and I fucking put the, the van in park, I jump out of the van and just start fucking shitting myself. Like could not <laughs> stop. Uncontrollable, liquid going down my pant legs, into my shoes, filling my <laughs> pants up with shit. And I, I can't stop. I've lost control of my O-ring. I don't know what to do. And my band is now waking up because the van is stopped. And they think that we are at the venue. And they're like, oh, what's going on? I'm like, look at them like a deer in headlights. I'm like, I'm shitting myself. I, I don't know what to do right now. Can somebody help me? And they're like, what? Like, what? You, wait, what? And then they all just start laughing at me, of course. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I need to help. Like, this is a real situation right now. Like, I don't know what to do. So that bathroom is the only one close enough to me, the one that exit back, which is probably about a quarter mile away. So I start waddling <laughs> over there because I just I just need to get out of here. I don't know what to do. So I'm waddling over there and I kind of get halfway there and I turn around I'm like, can somebody bring me some pants? Like, what the fuck? I turn around and get to the bathroom. Are you screaming, screaming with shit yeah. in your pants? <laughs> just, just help me, you know? You assholes. So I, I, get into the, I get into the bathroom and I go in there and there's no paper towels. There's no soap. I don't know what to fucking do. So I go into the bath, I go into the stall and I close the door and I still have to go to the bathroom. I pull my pants down. I'm like, oh, this is worse than I thought. Like, this is really bad. Like, I do not know what to do here. So now I've, I finished going finally and I don't know how to clean myself up. So what I have to do is flush the toilet so that there's clean water. And then I take <laughs> toilet paper, dip it in the toilet water to wipe myself off because there's nowhere else to fucking go. So I finally, I get myself cleaned up. <laughs> my band brings me a fucking fresh pair of pants and stuff. I put all this stuff. Oh, don't worry. It gets worse. I put oh everything God. into it. Yes. I put everything into a bag and I, I keep my, I don't know why I decided I need to keep these clothes. I don't know. It was my favorite pair of pants. I'm not throwing them away. So I put them in a trash bag. I throw them in the van and we start heading to the venue. And I'm like, guys, do not tell anybody about this. Like, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> like, don't tell anybody about this. And they're like, okay, we won't, we won't. So when I get to the venue, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, Lamb of God has this thing that they do called the pink jacket offense. I don't know if they still do this or they were just doing this back then. They had this ugly, like early nineties, like neon ski jacket that if you're on tour with them and you fuck up somehow on tour, you have to wear this jacket all day. So everybody knows you fucked up and you tell everybody why you fucked up and you sign the jacket at the end of the day. <laughs> you think, oh, you sign the Scarlet letter. Love it. <laughs> yeah. So I get to the fucking venue and as soon as I get out and walk into the venue, everyone, they throw me the pink jacket. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, nobody's supposed to know about this. What are you throwing me the pink jacket for? I'm like, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't affect the tour. This didn't affect the tour. This just affected me. They're like, no, no, you gotta wear the pink jacket. So I'm, I'm wearing it around. I'm pissed off all day. And eventually I took it off. I'm like, fuck you guys. Like, I'm not wearing this stupid thing. This is bullshit, you know? 
So like, I'm, I'm fucking angry about this whole thing. Fast forward to the next day. We're back in the U.S. now. We're playing in the New England Metal and Hardcore Festival. And so you're it's in being Boston, hosted- uh, Worcester or something, right? Yes, exactly. We're playing yeah. there. And um, uh, it's it's on MTV too. Is 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 doing a whole thing on this thing. They're fucking putting it on TV. All the bands are gonna be on TV, and it's being hosted by Rob Zombie, who's interviewing Eighteen Visions, who's on tour with us at the time. And he's like, one of the questions he wanted to ask him was like, "So James, um, you know, on MTV too, like live, whatever." He's like, "I know you guys are on tour with Lamb of God right now, and they have this thing called the Pink Jacket Offense. Um, has anybody by any chance had a Pink Jacket Offense?" They're like, "Well, yeah, one of the guys in a tray, you shit his pants." I'm like, no, you just said it on fucking national TV. Like I, I said, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. And now now we have like our parents are calling. Our drummer's dad calls and he's like, please tell me it wasn't you, son. He's like, no, no, you're good. It was, it was, it was Dan. I'm like, what the fuck? What the hell? Oh my God. Did you get that call for spring break in the next year or what? From MTV? No, no, I, I got no calls after that. It was I was called out. Done. Oh, dude, they <laughs> ran you through the fucking gutter. Is it? Do you think yeah. it's because like uh, <laughs> Randy was all like, "This motherfucker ate the last piece of cheese." <laughs> dude, it could have been, man. They're like, they, they weren't going to do anything, and they're like, "Wait, wait a minute, where are all these sandwich, where are all sandwich shit going?" Like, Dan, that's where it all went. It went, it went into his pants. That's where it went. I, yeah. <laughs> dude, that is. Awesome. Sorry, but you you know how dope that story actually is now. Like this, like probably one of the highlights of uh, all of the tour stories I think I've ever heard or been a part of in my life. So thank you so much, dude. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry no about your butthole. So, well, no, so, yeah, right. Your O ring is just, but uh, it's just a lot of. It's bold. It's bold to come out today because no one ever wants to admit to shitting themselves as an adult. But you know what? Good on what you. Are you gonna do? What do you guys? Yeah. <laughs> right, it, it was it was it was a weird thing with me and the Lamb of God guys for a while. Like it, it wasn't until like a couple years ago I ran it ran into John Campbell and he was like uh-huh. he brought it up and I was like oh I did like a podcast and I actually like it mentioned I like told the story you know I kind of almost needed to tell it just to kind of get it off my chest uh, per se and um, he was like oh, I kind of like he took the steam out of them made me able to give me shit for it anymore but um, yeah I me and Lamb of God always have been having weird interactions I a real quick random story. I went to go throw a pizza box out one time uh, while on tour with Lamb of God. And right as I open the door to our bus and I throw it out, John Campbell happened to walk by and it fucking nails him. And he's like, you little son of a bitch. I'm like, oh shit. I close the door real quick and lock it. And he's like, try to get in. He's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. I'm like, I'm sorry. It was not on purpose. Like I did not do that on purpose. I just tried to get rid of my pizza box. You just walked by at the wrong time. Did he catch his corner? He just kind of caught a corner of the freaking. It, it fucking hit him straight in the face. Like I just like oh it was like God. it seemed so on purpose. Like I felt so awful. I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. Please do not hurt me. I can only imagine what John has in store for you sometimes down the road. So, oh, <laughs> sorry, John. It was an un- it was an intentional. I'm like crying, dude. Like the idea oh, of yeah. like the, you said like you were like a half a mile or whatever it was from wherever the when the van stopped and I get, I'm just <laughs> so picturing far. you waddling down the street like or wherever it was at, you know, yeah, in my, my yeah, in my mind I see like an outdoor area and those guys laughing cuz that's a classic band move, right? And yeah. you're just no absolutely decimated, super upset but screaming about the shit that's inside of your drawers. <laughs> Probably broad daylight, I'm guessing. This is like a like an afternoon stop. Yeah. Yeah. This is like oh, yeah. 10 o'clock. Yeah. It's like 10 a.m. Yeah. Not only did you make my and Justin's day and who and everybody listening to this podcast this uh, day, but you also made whoever was in that parks absolute <laughs> fucking life. Oh, yeah. They're gonna tell that story. 
I love to hear day, somebody else's perspective that saw it. You know whose day you didn't make? You didn't make Burger King's day. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> or whoever made my pants. I put those pants brand to the test. Hey, what kind yeah. of pants were those that you were like holding on to? Did, hey, did you wash the, those? You end up washing those clothes? Did, did they did you even did. have a, It was disgusting. Okay. I, there's a laundromat down the street. I just threw them in and just turned it on with some soap in there. And when I came back and like, opened it up to check on it, it would just look like poop soup. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Yeah, that's not, not coming out. That's going to take several washings. You could, was there <laughs> it, not a I local... I a few times. Was there a local river you could have washed that stuff I should have just burned them, to be honest. I don't know what I was doing. You could have burned them. <laughs> and at this, man, I mean, that, at this point in time, this is in 2003. So, I mean, like, oh, I was man. wearing women's pants at the time. That's when I, was like, gonna, women's I knew pants it. Were, I was going to ask you, I was like, were you, yeah. those are chicks' pants. I wore them the same thing. I'm thinking about that period of time. time, like, yeah. And they're probably like the ones that actually didn't like low ride too hard on your, your yeah. ass cheeks. So that, that actually like felt like you were a normal human being in your mind, even though you knew so deep inside of you that you were wearing those chicks pants, but you thought you were super tight. You know, you're like, oh, this yeah. is where I get, I get laid when I wear these pants or something like that. That's Dude, they were, they were way more comfortable. It was the only way you could get like really tight fitting stretchy. pants that were like stretchy yeah. and comfortable. They just yeah. didn't make men's pants like that at the oh. time. So like, Dudes just started wearing it. It's just like the 80s all over again or something. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. Great. Good God almighty. That's a great fucking Ooh. story. I want to segue I, real quick to some new music talk, but let's yeah, just let's share yeah, something let's, else. Talk about no, that's I, that's I a, actually the best way to do it. <laughs> so you guys have uh, a, a single that just came out, uh, I believe uh, a couple of weeks ago in October. Save Us, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's the first uh, jam off uh what uh you know some other of, of any new music we put out uh especially since uh you know um changing our lineup a little bit so uh yeah it came out uh yeah a few weeks ago and it's a it's it's a banger it's a fun it's a fun song it's got a lot of interesting elements to it i love the track uh i will say that it was refreshing uh in every sense of the word brandon sounds great your guitar playing sounds great everything about the the production of the song sounds really great it, it feels Thank like you. that new that new chapter i'm sure with the lineup changes and everything that you guys have been a band, like we said, uh, 18 years for records. But before that, you were even, uh, you know, it's 99 being you, you and Brandon at this point in time. Right. Would you be the only two original members? Yeah. 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 So you two dudes have been playing for over 20 years together and you sound like you just started an exciting new new project in this uh, this new stuff. I, the energy was purely uh, insane. So. Thank you. I do yeah, the, uh, the anything else that we're doing outside of this as well, um, other songs we did at the same time and whatnot. It's all it has that same energy and vibe to it. It's 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 really exciting. We just feel this kind of new breath of fresh air right now that we're uh, um, kind of writing and and uh, just getting to try a lot of things that we've never been able to do before. So it's um, it's really exciting. Is this part of when a you, record, right? Um, eventually, yeah, we we have we okay. have a record we're working on, um, but gotcha. um, no tentative like exact release dates or anything like. Right now, it's just kind of kind of just feeling it out, put out save us right now. And like I said on on our uh, live stream, we're gonna play um, uh, on a song called Underrated um, as well. That's not a single or anything like that, but uh, and it hasn't been yeah. released at, at all yet. No, it's yeah, and it's a oh, uh, similar similar vein as is save us, except this one's a. Uh, Sounds a lot like more upbeat and heavier and faster kind of thing. 
I was going to ask, Dan, when you guys revamp a lineup like this, you kind of change it up a little bit. Does it, is, is the desire to kind of stay the course or do you feel like, you know what, we're going to change up the paradigm a little bit here. We're going to maybe experiment a little bit. Is that it? Or, do you, or is a trade yeah. just kind of submitted to, Hey man, we're going to, this is our sound. We're going to stay in our lane. I mean, Trey, like if you listen to all of our, our, our catalog back to back, you know, we kind of go all over the place mm-hmm. uh, within the things that we like to do. You know, sometimes we you know, like, for instance, we like to do screaming stuff. We like to do singing stuff. And some albums, we lean more in one of those directions. Um, and same with stylistically, musically, we might live more in a, a heavy direction or a softer, more mid-tempo or upbeat or, you know, whatever it is. You know, we just kind of go all over the place. Um, uh, with our lineup that we currently have now, um, you know, for instance, our, our now drummer, uh, Kyle Rosa, uh, not only can he play drums, but he can also play guitar and bass and sing and stuff. So we even have some stuff where, um, you know, we can even switch it up and it's like Brandon can jump back on drums and he can jump on bass and we can like just mix things up, like just, oh, just do stuff. That's exciting. That that's exciting. Yeah. We, yeah. we have like our band, like, um, I mean, not to toot our own horn, but a band is like, we feel like it's a very underrated, like, I don't think people realize how much a tray you can do and what we do and how much we bring to the table. And a lot of it's kind of been hidden behind the mask of metalcore and things like that, where it's, that's not truly who we are as musicians and band. It's just one element of something that we've done in our career. Um, we, you know, we're always trying to push the envelope and do something different and uh, for ourselves, just to keep ourselves interested and stimulated. So on this record, I mean, uh, some of the things we've even done coming up here, you know, there's, you know, even like that, for instance, the part in Save Us, there's like an acapella part like where it just stops and it goes full acapella, like Queen Harmony, like Kansas or something like that. And mm-hmm. um, we've never been able to really do stuff like that before. There was kind of um, restrictions, restrictions in a way that kind of made it tough to do that kind of stuff. So now we're able to just kind of go nuts and uh, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's really exciting. That's and exciting also, to hear, man. Yeah, that's hey. Thank you also for the Kansas uh, plug. That's that's really people don't think about Kansas and they don't think about those harmonies enough. Steve Walsh is a genius. Incredible. Yeah, we yeah. we're all about taking all that kind of influence and you know putting it in the uh, the modern uh, forefront of rock and roll, heavy metal music, or whatever it is that we our music style is. Man. Uh, I, I I wanted to segue because now that I know that there's no, we know that there's not a immediate record, which I was going to keep pounding you on some questions there, but <laughs> where you guys have are going, if this indi- indication with save us, it's uh, in a very exciting space for us fans. So uh, yeah, fucking I'll keep our, my ears and eyes peeled to it's going to be, uh, it's going to be epic. I, I I'm, you know, this whole everything we've been doing we've been, i don't know if there's seen some stuff we've posted a little bit online like even like we've written some stuff with mark hoppus um from like 182 um i don't want to mention all names of, I, I don't want to give away everything but we've been working with some other really big name people um that are incredible that it's just uh it's just it's just the energy and the vibe behind this album is just huge it's, it's just sounds to me it sounds like the biggest record that we've ever done the biggest it's song hysteria it's our hysteria. It really yeah, is. Like yeah, kind right. of, we pulled all the stops for this album, so it's just you know, it's it's awesome. I can't wait, man. Yeah. Um, Justin, uh, do you want to talk about Shiprock, or do you want? Yeah, me I was to, gonna uh, say, uh, like, hey, we're talking epic and fans. Let's talk about your Shiprock experience, Dan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I I loved it, man. I loved I love cruising in general. I've always been a big fan of the concept of just being on this big luxurious hotel on the water with just all you can eat food. And it's just, 
I mean, it's just gluttony at its finest, you know, just <laughs> being ridiculous. <laughs> it's just, so wait, are you saying that Shiprock wasn't your first cruise? Like you're a hardcore, oh, like, no, yeah. you, you're, you got a carnival card, you know, like points I and do. stuff like that. I do. Yeah. I, I love, I love cruising. I've only done the carnivals though. I've never done anything outside of carnival. Like I just do the savage carnival cruises, which is, um, it's where the party's at though. You know, just chicken yeah. tenders, man. Yeah, yeah, you know, pretty- I always, it's that Dan, I, I always love it when bands come on and, and they get into the mood and vibe of it. When you guys came out in your little sailor outfits, I thought that was so great. I love just like the idea of like, we always, tell our cruisers to kind of get into this cosplay type of atmosphere with the cruise. Yeah. And when bands do it, I love it. I mean, when we had Stone Sour on, Corey did the same thing. Always dressed like some captain. I think it's fantastic. I think it really adds yeah. a lot and, and it makes it a lot, a lot of fun for the cruisers. So yeah, really we good. thought we, we thought everybody was going to do the same thing. Like we thought we were like, Oh man, I'm like, wow, everyone's going to have the same shirts as us. We're just going to look like everybody else. And then we got out there like, Oh, nobody else is doing this. Really? Like, all yeah. right. Yeah. I figured everybody would. You guys I'll tell you this: I was at that theater show, the first show you guys played on the on the cruise. I was standing oh next God. to my, my girlfriend Great. Kim, and we were. I was watching, and you were. It was just you were clearly having the best time. That I, I think, if I could be honest with you, on that particular cruise, I didn't see it that another band have as much fun playing a, a set than I did seeing you guys that night. And you could see it across all of your faces, just how much fun you were having, the jokes that you were having with each other. It felt like, it, you know, it felt like fucking, uh, you know, like you were, you were Def Leppard or some shit. Like, you know, like you were you tossing shit to each other and you were in the fucking, the whole motive that your guys' experience for me was like what it's all about. My Our band, Wilson, came on the, the ship with the same exact attitude. We just didn't know. We were some dumbasses from Detroit who had not been even in a conversation about playing a cruise ship, nor had we ever been on a cruise ship when we did it. So we were like, well, we'll just do us or whatever. And we showed up, you know, doing similar shit. And it was the most fun still yeah. to this day. Uh, those ships have been the most fun and the most freeing version of being and playing live as an artist. And I just wanted to ask you, like, what did you take away from it? Like when you guys walked off of that ship, man, were you just like, that just made me and you guys just made us tighter. We're just best. Yeah. You're I mean, like, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I mean, the camaraderie between the bands is, is kind of I got a really cool vibe. You know, I mean, a lot of bands know each other, too. And if you don't, you kind of get to know people and stuff because you all have this kind of similar thing in common. You're in like the 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 other side of it. You know what I mean? You're the the entertainment or whatever. Um, for me, too, like because I do like cruising and stuff and I love playing shows and being in a band, like the idea of something where you get to be in a band and you get paid to come be on this boat and play music on a cruise ship. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, like I would, I would have paid to do it. Like, you know, like, but you're going to pay me to do it. Like, let's go. This is great. This is awesome. I will do this all day long. Was there ever a, not a fear, but like a a little bit of an apprehension by any of the guys when uh, you have the understanding that you're going to be amongst all the fans and everything, just like normal folks. Was there ever anything like that? Because obviously a lot of people's like, people meet you once and then they're kind of, they leave you alone to so you know, they don't really yeah. you know, hound you per se. Yeah, actually. I mean, the Shiprock family, as, as you say, is, is like very polite, respectable. Mm-hmm. Like I was, especially our rooms were just straight up in the middle of everything. It wasn't, I thought going into this, it was be like, all right, the band's rooms are in like one corner and then everybody else is somewhere. But it was like, everyone's just kind of mixed in with everybody, which was a little concerning at first. It was like, oh man, is this going to be weird? Are people going to be like knocking on our doors and stuff or <laughs> right. who knows, you know, like it's so intimate, you know, 
Um, yeah. you know, cause you're just like, you know, I'll leave my room and kind of be like scratching my butt on the way out to stage, you know? And someone's like, Oh, Hey Dan, you know, I'm, I'm in the room next to you. Don't listen to me shit too loud or whatever. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, it's just, it's like such a, you know, you're like, this is so strange, you know? I mean, yeah. some of the stuff I heard, I, I mean, we heard me, me and my uh, wife heard so many funny things when we were in our room, just people walking by and, and saying, you know, just weird stuff. Like I, I heard one guy, cause people are like drunk and for whatever reason, every time they pass our door, I just hear like, Tits. And we're like, who just yells tits? <laughs> like, what? While walking down a hallway in the middle, of like, or, or you know, like, uh, I heard, you know, one one guy talking about how um, he was like, yeah, I was down at the fish market the other day, and I was like, hello, ladies. Like, what? <laughs> 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 in some lawnmower dad jokes on the way back to <laughs> the was, fucking stateroom. It's great. <laughs> it was great. Our room was just great. And for whatever reason, we were in the prime position, just have the strangest people walking by our room saying the greatest things. That's amazing, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun. It was it was uh, yeah. everybody's really cool. Yeah, they Man. are definitely the entertainment off the stage. There's no question there. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny that you like uh, like I was not expecting Dan you to be like, dude, I fucking fuck with cruises so hard. You know, oh just yeah, the, you know, like uh, like I'm you know like you got a card and shit like that. That's cool to hear. I assume that you were chubbed up for five days straight being like, I get the cruise, oh, yeah. I get the rock, I get to eat the chicken nugs, I get to have the soft serve, and I get to hear dudes screaming tits in the middle oh, of the yeah. yeah, that's great, man. Dude, I was loving it, man. I was loving it. There's a, there a nice steakhouse on there. Like, if you wanted to get your pinky yeah. out, there's a, I mean, the food was incredible at that steakhouse, man. Like, I was like, dude, I just want to eat here the whole time. Like, I didn't, once I discovered that, I was like, whoa, I didn't realize this was going to be like really good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is absolutely. fucking amazing. Yeah, man. Well, Dan, we usually like to end the interviews uh, with a new segment we call the Big Three. And these are three questions that we're going to pose to you. And we'd really just love your honest answer to them. Okay. So are you, are you ready to do the Big Three? Let's hit it. All right, Chad, you want to ask him? You want to start yeah. off the, the, the inquiry? Yeah, man. Uh, so <clears throat> the easiest way to put this is, yeah. So question one, um, the easiest way for me to put this is instead of being Dan Jacobs, the guitar player, a, a monumental slasher in a Treyu, if you were to take and erase all of that and bring yourself back to the moment that you saw that Green Day uh, CD and, you, and just that went away too, what do you think you would be doing right now with your life? Like, who is the My other gosh. Dan Jacobs? Like... When the lights uh, turn down. Oh, what else do I do? I mean, like, I would either... I'm a big fan of, like, just food and decor and things like that. Like, I have this... I like really obscure fucking furniture and weird shit. Like, my house that I live in is is really obscure. Like, my, my wife and I just have, like, uh, a very, like, kish style to the way we do everything. And um, I don't know. Like, maybe I would either do something where I, like, can do, like, crazy interior de decorating for people or something help people just make their houses look fucking wild i just even if you look at like my guitars and stuff like i just like yeah. these wild aesthetics so if i can just apply that to everything that i do i mean um so it'd probably be either somewhere in that world or maybe somewhere in the psychology world i have a, a i haven't read a, a gazillion books in my life but the ones that i have read are all kind of mostly based on psychology and and just how human beings tick and work and think and body language and communication and things like that um love languages all that kind of stuff like i find it really interesting just how human beings you know work you know in that sense you know and interact with each other so uh i'd probably be in that world somewhere 
So you'd be Do a psychiatrist, you, uh, feng shui. You'd be a feng shui yeah. psychologist. Right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're, <laughs> in, in, interior designer. I mean, a lot of interior design, you, it, people's houses change the way they think about their day. So yeah. there you go, man. That, you, there you go. There's always, there's always hope for you, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, question number two, Dan, on this uh, big three. Is there one fear that you, if you have your biggest fear, what is it and what, how would you like to, would you like to conquer it? Biggest fear. Yeah. Uh, What's oh, the one fear you have that you would love to conquer? That I, I want to conquer? Oh man. You would, yeah. Um, I don't know if I want to conquer. I'm not a big fan of heights. I just do not like heights. Heights are, uh, heights are needles, like having to get shots or my blood taken or anything of that sort. Just not a big fan. And it's, uh, uh, roller coasters is in that same world of like heights. Like I've tried to conquer roller coasters for years now. I'd be like, Dan, you can do this. Like since I was a kid, I was like, there's gotta be something stimulating about this for me, but like, <laughs> just can't do it. Like I get on them and I'm just miserable the whole time. Now, now <laughs> does that apply to flying in planes or just because you're on the outside with things like roller coasters where you're not more like so on the outside? I don't okay. mind flying so much. It's more so like the idea of like falling to my death is like horrifying or just like, like skydiving is absolutely horrifying. Any roller coaster has a big drop where you have to go up really high and go down. Really yeah. That's horrifying. Yeah. I can't do that. I get that, that, that uh, anxiety. I get anxiety from the, um, the, the adrenaline rush. It just gives me like mm -hmm. an anxiety attack. So I've, mm -hmm. it's just, uh, I, I don't have whatever it is that people have when they like enjoy that. I don't have yeah. that. I, I, I think the anxiety too is like, if I fall, what if I don't die and I'm just going to live in excruciating pain? That's the worst. <laughs> like I, I'm like that you, I watch movies where people are on a me. ledge and I'm like, get off that rooftop ledge. I'm, yeah. I get a, I get a, it's, I can't watch this. It's just, yeah. just can't watch it. So. Did, did you ever shit your pants when you were actually on a roller coaster trying to conquer the fear? Do you have like that anxiety shit where you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. No, nah, I've been on a ton of roller coasters in that sense, where you've had enough opportunities to. I've had, I had one time where I almost fell out of a little mini roller coaster, which I think kind of maybe started my being terrified of roller coaster thing. I was at a yeah. Santa's little Santa's Village up in fucking, oh my God. you know, Santa's Village. I went to Santa's Village and it was like fucking winter time, you know, and it was like this shitty, like Santa's Village, if anybody doesn't want it, it's like the shittiest, <laughs> shittiest fucking amusement park of all time. Is it just kind of a carny kind of thing where it's like you put up with like, yeah. you know, two by fours and wood screws? Yeah. Basically. It's like Billy like Bob the Mountain owns it. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking rough. So like I went on this little roller coaster, just kind of like went around like this kind of thing, you know, and in like a oval and like it banked pretty hard to the side because it was so icy. And the thing that came down was not that big. And I'm a very oh, no. tiny dude. Yeah, so yeah. I was I was literally hanging on for my life. The whole thing. Like if I would have let go, I would have just flown onto this ride. It's horrifying. Man. That is horrifying. I yeah. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. Yeah, I even that you I'm, pooped I'm your Jewish, pants, so but Santa's I, I Village, man. I was like, dude, <laughs> dude, you guys are hating on me, man. <laughs> Double whammy. Not, not selling me on this Christmas thing. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna let Justin take the third, uh, the third and final question here, uh, because I'm hoping that you pooped your pants in this one at least, so we have two shits There's a good tonight. Chance. There's a good chance. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, final, final question, Dan, here at the big three is like, which of your personality traits would you like to change? Um, I, I wish I was a little bit more confident more of the time when it comes to, um, I don't know, 
it's weird. It's, it's one of my strongest traits, but it's also one of my weaknesses is that I like, um, I get, you know, as, as confident as I can be when it comes to talking to people and stuff. Sometimes I also get really like timid and have a hard time approaching people or I don't know, I get super like weird social anxiety uh, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I think a lot of it's, you know, something stemmed from when I was a kid, but then uh, I had a problem with it for a while when our band initially started getting like some fame. I'd never had anything like that before. And people start noticing you places and start like just kind of popping up on you and like, you know, kind of just, just being a little bit too much. It just started making me feel like I just couldn't like go anywhere without people like staring at me. Not that we were even like super, super famous, but like mm-hmm. just the, there, it was just enough where it was making me uncomfortable. I was like, Oh, I don't know about this. Like this is, I, this is not for this part of it. I don't like, you know what I mean? I just want to play music. I don't want people weirding me out or anything, but yeah. So it was like a little bit of a social side of me right. that, um, I wish I was a little bit more confident with at times. Yeah, I totally. I 100% agree with you. And I, and I feel you on that, but that's funny when we talk to artists who perform in front of large crowds and they say that, you know, I think most people will be like, how, what hadn't been I'm like, they don't realize that the stage is kind of a buffer yeah, between you and the audience. And uh, yeah, you're just playing a role at that point. You're not, you're not Dan Jacobs, you're a guitar player from a tray. Yeah. I have, I have every, uh, every, every reason in the world to be confident in that, in that moment, as well as, uh, I mean, uh, Chad, you can attest to this when you're, when you're playing these shows, you know, like half the time, like you, especially the bigger ones, like you can only see so far back. It's hard to like actually make eye contact and connect with all these people. So it's like, it's almost like it's not there, like it's there, but like you're kind of almost just in your room with this giant screen in front of you that has a bunch of people on it that are quote unquote watching you. It's very it feels strange. like it goes by in a flash, right? Like, yeah, uh, like it, 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 and all it takes sometimes to, to make it feel like it's not going by in a flash is when you catch eyes with the wrong motherfucker. And yeah. I don't know if you've ever been there before. Where oh, like, yeah. his, you're not his thing, right? You know, like that's not his thing. That's not why he's there and he can't get away for some reason. I don't know why. But yeah. like that moment when he sees you and you see him, time slows down. That 30 minute or hour set or whatever it is feels like it's never going to end and you wish that it fucking would uh, right then. Um, yeah. That's my, yeah. The, the social anxiety is we, I think Justin and I both suffer from the, the same idea of it as a performer. Just like you said, like it's, it's the real deal, man. When you start to feel that, like I can't even shit my pants, you know, like a normal human being without somebody like being like, he shit his pants on, t- on t- television. That like feels so much more darker than what it really is. It's actually hilarious, you know, but <laughs> when the world's watching, man, it's, weird. it's the, it's the it dichotomy is. of the introvert extrovert, you know? Yep. Yeah. 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 So it really is. Anyway, well, Dan, thanks for taking the time to answer those three questions. We uh, we like to sometimes kind of move away from what we usually do to to bring those into play, and it, it kind of works out well with you being someone who's interested in psychology. So, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And no listen, we thank you for your time this week, man. We really appreciate it. And um, you know, just let people know again: carry the fire live streams are uh, November twenty fourth and December fourth, uh, two different sets. So make sure to check those out. You can get tickets at atreyumerch.com, I believe. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, is that right? That's right. Okay, good. Uh, and for those that aren't able to tune in visually, uh, Dan is wearing a dope Rob Thomas uh, hoodie <laughs> in this uh, this episode. And I just want to let you know that I, too, fuck with the Rob. So, <laughs> hey, Matchbox 20 is undeniable, man. There's no, you can't ever knock great talent. One of the um, biggest fans of all time. Absolutely. So listen, guys, that's Making Way 17 with our friend Dan Jacobs from Atreyu. Make sure and check out their live stream and also check out their new song, uh, Save Us. 
um, that you can find out in any place you stream music or purchase music like iTunes. Um, we also want to thank Jen, Heather, and Al McManus um, for uh, for being part of the crew here for making waves. Yeah. And thank you, thank you, Danny and Alan, um, for just being part of Ask for and, and running the show. So we appreciate it, Dan. Once again, thank you, man. Uh, good luck. Hopefully, we can do the part two in uh, 2021 when uh, things kind of get back to normal. Maybe. Yeah, please. That'd be great. I'd be That'd more be great. than happy to. Other than that, man, send me your address. I'll send you some new pants just in case you need some. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Some, we got to get you guys out. We got to get you a pants sponsor. So, anyway, listen, <laughs> thanks again, Bob. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Sure. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your time and right. uh, doing this for me. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Push that, brother. All, All right. right. Later, guys. See you. Bye. <laughs> Pretending that everything is gonna be alright These are your last days now Will you stay down or will you rise up? Hello everybody, I'm Bruce And I'm Nolan And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast as longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.